That's So Fringy. I'm Bethany. I'm Kristen. And I'm Rick. And we are bringing you a whole nother level of fringy items today. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about some mind control projects that have gone on. Um, so stay tuned. Remember, there's going to be some some things that we mention in here that may be a little bit triggering. You may not want to believe it. We ask that you hang in there, go do research on your own, um, and just stick with us because it's it, it's information that you need to know. Um, and I think that there's a lot that you can learn about what's actually going on in this world today and has been going on for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to plug our, our Instagram really quick. We're at That's So Fringy. We also have a Telegram. We have a website now. Uh, that's so fringy.com. That's so fringy podcast. Yeah. There we go. Don't forget the podcast, man. So it's <laughs> that's so fringy podcast.com. We just launched that uh, this last week. If you've listened to that episode that we put out on Friday, then you would know uh, it dropped that day. And so check it out. Give us a like on there. Send us an email if you want to get to know us a little more. Um, also, just talking about those fringy morsels, we hope you guys like that because um, they're going to keep coming. So if you like them, thumbs up, uh, give us a share, give us a subscription. We'd love to have you guys following us so that we can continue to give this message out to the world. So with that, I'm going to pass it back to Bethany. She's going to get us started with talking about these CIA projects. And uh, first thing on the list is what? I guess we should probably start with Project Paperclip. What do you think? Yeah. So time frame, we're talking World War II, um, 40s, late 40s, mid to late 40s. Realistically, I think mind control has probably been going on a lot longer than that. Oh, yeah. Um, But documentation-wise, it goes back to World War II. So... Mm -hmm. After World War II, we saw the Nuremberg Trials, which if you don't know what those are, you definitely need to go look that up. It was essentially an international code of 10 rules that had to be applied anytime you were going to do any type of human experiment. So, and, And they're pretty, you know, they seem commonplace to us now, but if you look back at what the Nazi scientists had done to those people... They obviously didn't uh, think any of that was important. And like the number one being informed consent. So mm-hmm. y- you can't test something on a human subject without their consent. They need to be explained what the procedure is and they need to be explained what the outcomes can be. Um, so they're, I mean, they're all pretty basic to think about in this day and age. But back then, it, they didn't really care about any of that. If you think about the world, like who's who's kind of in charge of the world as a whole and who gets to say what you can and can't do to people, mm-hmm. you know, but I think a lot of, a lot of that comes down to the world coming together and saying, Hey, this atrocity was too much. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. They said this atrocity that happened in Nazi Germany was too much. And we don't want experiments on humans we don't want there to be all of these. Uh, I mean, they were doing some horrific stuff 
Dr. Mangala, yeah. that guy, he would take twins and, uh, you know, see how they would react differently to certain things. And I mean, there's, there's so many documentaries out there about this stuff, this whole, um, genocide that they were trying to do in, in Germany is very well known. But what a lot of people don't know is that the United States of America brought a lot of those Nazi scientists over to America and gave them jobs in America. And I know some of you are like, no way. And some of you are like, duh, Rick, we know this. You mm-hmm. know, we've, mm-hmm. we, we've all seen these documentaries. We know a project paperclip, um, blah, blah, blah. But it's, I think it's very important for us to understand the gravity of what we're talking about, which is that they purposefully brought them over to the United States they had them change their names, their passports, all of those different things to hide it from the American public. We're talking about the same people working at the concentration camps yep. are the same people working for the United States government now at that time. So that's a so huge point. My yeah. understanding is that it was Truman was president at that time. So the CIA came into being in 1947. They were some other, you know organizations that kind of did the same type of stuff, but the actual CIA was was founded then. So 1947, and then 1948 was when the Nuremberg Code came out. So it had come out, you know, the the CIA knew, that the world knew, that these were the things you can and can't do as far as experimentation. So Truman said, yes, let's bring over some of these scientists because you got to remember it was also the Cold War and the United States was very against Russia. So they essentially brought these doctors and scientists over so that Russia didn't get them because mm-hmm. they thought, well, we we should have them because if Russia has them, then they're going to, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, Warner Von Braun, who is one of the ones that they brought over, he started working for NASA, but he also was creating rockets for he created the first atomic bomb i'm pretty sure i think it was the first big rocket that Maybe they that's... that they sent over but anyway he he was a bad dude and he was he was building rockets to kill people that's what you need in war mm-hmm. and we brought him over here to not only bring that technology but to uh perfect it and, and make, and it make sure that you know nobody else got it because that and that's how they justified all of this stuff. So Truman says, "Yeah, go ahead and bring them over, but but we don't want to bring over anybody that was like heavily involved in in the bad stuff that was going on." So what did they do to bring them over? The really bad guys is they changed their names. I think it was something like sixteen hundred Nazi yeah. scientists. It was a lot. I don't know the specific over. number, but I know that it, it was, was a lot. lot. And they and they only could keep track of. I think they only kept track of less than a hundred of them. Yeah, they just lost them. Yeah, so nobody knows where they went. They had new names, new identities, and they were basically given citizenship in America, and then they were they were gone. Huh. And as you'll hear in a few minutes, um, free reign to experiment on United States citizens. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So once the CIA is established, they then begin to start these projects on, I think actually it was somewhat willing participants at at one point in the beginning. Yeah, Yeah, they were trying to do super soldier type stuff. Right. Yeah, they had Project Bluebird and Project Artichoke. 
and yeah I think that they were mostly like like you could volunteer to go do it and and it looks like they had they involved was the army the air force the FBI and the navy so those were the four main groups that they were using in this project bluebird and artichoke yeah I mean if you've if you're a marvel fan and you've seen the movie um what is it captain, captain america, america. Mm-hmm. i mean this is this is what they were trying to do and i mean there are a couple of people that might have german accents in that movie uh, they may or may not even mention MK Ultra mm-hmm. in that movie, yep. but anyway, just a but just it's just a, a movie. Out. It's Come just a on. Movie. fiction. I think uh, as we know, the military was involved. Like Kristen just said, the the four sectors of the military, minus the Marines. I, yeah. I, they don't mess with the Marines. They, don't, they, don't they mess left with them no. alone. They were crazy <laughs> enough as it was. They don't have to do anything to them. They're already nuts. <laughs> They're already crazy. Um, but I, they also did a lot of testing on uh, prisoners. Yes. Um, and hospitals, like people institutionalized yep. in hospitals. Yep. Because you sign informed consent for all kinds of stuff when you go to the doctor, and most people don't know what's in there at all. No. So. Yeah, when the program MK Ultra officially started in 1953, um, it, it was a lot of, you know, hospitals psych wards um going into these different places they had huge programs going on in canada even um a lot of people don't realize that that there was a lot going on in canada um alan dulles actually the former cia director he he knew all of this was going on he knew everything that they were doing he sanctioned it i mean it it was coming from the top I mean, the top of government, the secret government, as we like to call the deep state. Um, They got the idea to do this. They used these Nazi scientists. They started these programs called MKUltra. And then they focused really heavily on perfecting these mind mind control techniques because they realized that the stuff that they were doing before in Project Bluebird and uh, uh, Artichoke they weren't as successful as they were in MK Ultra when they started introducing the drugs like mm-hmm. um, LSD mm-hmm. and what was that a BZ mm-hmm. and a lot of these yeah. other ones. Um, but they also realized that if you put in torture, trauma, trauma, um, electroshock, all of those different things, you would get outstanding results. Yep. Yeah, I think. I think Artichoke and Bluebird were more like hypnosis. They were mm-hmm. trying to, I think there was a little bit of drug use in there. The LSD obviously was a huge part of all of these projects. And a big um, thing they would do was they would they would basically get them addicted to morphine and then watch them have to withdraw to see, they wanted to see if the morphine would cause amnesia, if it would produce right. amnesia. right. And, and uh, later down the line, uh, one of the main reasons they never use cannabis for any of this is because it actually works the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a controversial topic, cannabis, I believe, but there is uh, been studies out there and there are um, results that show that cannabis actually can reverse some of the mind control stuff that they do. And so... Um, well, and if you think about it reason. in the vein of what, you know, they've now legalized most of these drugs, but 
cannabis not that long ago was very taboo just in general oh yeah so and now, and you know now that there's more studies of of that kind of stuff it's you know the wacky tobacco yeah the devil's lettuce the come on now <laughs> what was the what was the movement in the 70s that probably was put out by the CAA where everybody hated what was the name of it i'm trying to oh, remember which oh the name like green fever or yes, some, something, something like, like oh yeah they what made a movie that? about it and and it was actually I can't so remember. so Dang it. D- during this between this project paperclip and artichoke time the CIA allegedly bought the entire world's supply of LSD so and wow. they, so there's a this documentary called Dr Delirium and it was super interesting um, I think it was what was it on? I think it was Netflix. Discovery was it, Plus. Oh, it was on Discovery Plus. That's right. So if you want to go on there, you're it, gonna there have to was pay this, for it. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> Investigation Discovery was what I watched, so it's totally fine. We already paid for it. So they had this Doctor James Ketchum, and in this documentary, they have some like unreleased footage of him uh, talking about these experiments. So essentially, they told these soldiers that were in the army they went to them and said hey if you want to come and test some of this stuff um you know it'll be like they told them clothing equipment gas masks like all that then you can get off base and you can live out on this like you know kind of parky looking area that's out in the woods and so all these guys were like well shoot yeah we don't have to work on the weekends we don't have to yeah that's how it starts folks (laughs) if it sounds too good to be true it's too good to be true it's It's definitely yeah so they essentially get them get them there, and and they're isolated because they're nowhere near the base, and it's this uh, Ed, Edgewood Arsenal. So they I think originally did a lot of like weapons training and stuff there. So they they started testing LSD in the aerosol form. Is yep. that what you'd call it? Yeah. So they start testing it in the aerosol form to see you know what it does to people and and. They realize that LSD causes hallucinations, but it, when it really came down to it, they were still able to be somewhat Marines, or, or not Marines. <laughs> not the Marines. They were still able to be <laughs> soldiers. soldiers. Yeah. So then they found this chemical called BZ uh, that they realized caused delirium instead of hallucinations. So the distinction is hallucinations can be sometimes good i mean they're not all bad some of them were like super happy and they were like yeah do you know what date it is and they'd be like no like they don't even care right because some you know it can cause happiness so they found this other stuff called bz that causes delirium which is always bad it's never good there's never anything good that comes from delirium it's always horrifying and that's where the trauma part comes in because if you're giving them hallucinations that's all well and good, and they you can probably it's more of a truth serum, if you will. Mm-hmm. You can get information out of them easier, mm-hmm. um, and that's really what they told the public exactly. that they were trying to do. Was you know these people came back from the Korean War, these um, POWs, and they had you could tell they had been kind of mind controlled. They had had some things that were wrong with them, and so um, the official story is is that's what they were trying to do is to um have an effective truth serum or an effective mm-hmm. um battlefield um so he says in the documentary 
what what's wrong with doing this because we're we're not killing people with bullets we're just giving them uh we're in aerosol form we're giving them this bz which gives them this delirium and they can't fight they can't they don't even know who they are or where they are what they're what's going on so in and it has the ability to keep them awake for like days like this one you know this one test subject they had i think it was like 48 hours he was awake yeah like i mean and he was trying to escape out of this room you're watching it on on camera and it's horrible because he's trying to get out of this room he doesn't understand what's going on and he's like we're stuck we're locked in here like just the anxiety that you can see coming from this guy. Yeah, it and you're was, thinking, well, that's, you know, we need to know if, if there is something where we can replace bullets, but not at the expense of human your own soldiers. human lives, your own mm-hmm. soldiers, and without their consent and all those things. Right. Like, I would be for getting rid of guns and getting rid of all war, for that matter, but, you know, at the expense of what? Right. You know, at the expense of these human beings that, um, you know, have long lasting, they find long lasting issues and everything like that. And these survivors of this, they actually can't get any benefits from the government. They can't and go they to the VA. can't really even talk about it because they're, they, there's privacy things where, it, you know, they say it's a matter of national security, some of these experiments. So you you can't even talk about it. So they could be like arrested for for talking about specifics of what happened there yeah so there for the rest of their life they didn't consent to anything yeah. the only thing that they consented to was tr- you know trying out some boots and right. some new or guns trickery. or some new backpacks or whatever yeah. you know am i gonna have to hump a mile or two in a in a new rucksack like okay mm-hmm. that's not what happened and now they have you know lifelong trauma and a lot of them are just like there's nothing we can do about it well, that that main that main guy that got the biggest dose of this BZ that they gave this test group, I think there was five of them. One of them got nothing, so they had different levels of how much they got. And the guy that got the most, I think it was within two or three years, he like went on a crazy spree and killed his wife and killed himself. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to say there was no long lasting effects from any of this, but documented he was he was arguably the best soldier that they had there at the time that he could do his job the best and then within two or three years he goes crazy and kills his wife and himself you can't tell me that there aren't lasting effects from this stuff what a shocking coincidence yeah i don't know have you guys seen that movie the manchurian candidate yeah Yeah. it was actually originally done in 1962 i haven't watched that which kind of you know the we're saying a lot of dates here because they all correlate together. Yeah. Um, and then it was remade, I want to say, in the 90s with Denzel yeah. Washington. Right. And it's... Pretty it's, much anything with Denzel Washington's worth watching. It's solid. It's a solid movie. But it, or, it or goes into exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. They're making super soldiers. Yep. And they're controlling their mind, controlling the narrative, controlling you know the story that comes out to the public. Go watch it because it's a it's a really good movie. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on out there. I mean, MK Ultra had 149 sub projects. I mean, that's a massive amount of non consent um, on the American people. I mean, like I said, some of them were in Canada, but um, a lot of this was American soldiers, mm-hmm. American uh, people in hospitals, mental institutions uh people in nursing homes 
people in prison. And then they went as far as doing Operation Midnight Climax, which is where they wanted to have prostitutes get uh, lure uh, high-value target Johns to hotels, specific hotels where the CIA was watching on the other side of a two-way mirror. Yeah, they and, made houses for it. Yeah, I think. they were like, I think they, were, they made. They called them CIA safe houses. Safe houses. So they could yeah. be basically undocumented. Because if you have a safe house for somebody you're putting in witness protection, you don't want anybody to know where it's at, right? So they had these safe houses, is what they would call them. And they essentially, yeah, the, the prostitutes would bring in a guy, dose him with LSD, and then, and then see what behavior, how his behavior would change during the act of sex basically and then afterwards you know these guys aren't going to go to the police and say uh this prostitute drugged me because they're first of all going to a prostitute most of them are you know married guys upstanding citizens that they're so they're not going to go and and tell anybody what happened to them so it was basically a safe way to see what would happen yeah there were really no bounds to what they were willing to do i mean that and that's what we that's what we saw in Nazi Germany. I mean, they there was nothing that was off limits to to do, and that's that's how it was in America. And you know, nineteen seventy three was when it was allegedly shut down. The whole MK Ultra project was supposed to be shut down, and uh, it was Alan Dulles, if you remember, the former CIA director. He actually had all of the um, records destroyed before the church committee happened in 1974 Mm -hmm. so the church committee um came out with a a a big document talking about all of the things that you know happened all the misconduct of the cia and uh, what was that what was that book called that they came out with every third findings it was the rockefeller Yeah. yeah so in 1974 there was a New York Times journalist, and he wrote a story about the CIA experiments. Then in 1975, it was President Ford who set up the United States President's Commission on CIA Activities. That was the name of the group. And then it said the commission was led by Vice President Nelson Rockefeller, and now it's commonly referred to as the Rockefeller Con- Commission. Yeah, the Rockefeller Commission. So, so the Rockefeller Commission is was basically in charge of keeping the CIA in line because they realized that <laughs> the, the the CIA people were doing whatever they wanted. They had no rules. They had no nothing. And they actually have like CIA agent admitted to little oversight and a party like atmosphere at work because they could do whatever they wanted. That's like having. That's like going to prison and having. Like mobsters watch over the regular right, right. general yes. population. Yeah. Like the the mobsters are the guards, yeah, and the inmates are the inmate. Like, what do you think is going to happen when you Chaos. have when you have somebody from one of the families, yep. you know, interviewing and and making sure that this comes out? You know, it's like we're going to give you all transparency. We promise. Yeah, the, the American Rock public deserves like, it. The CIA is. T- They've done all this horrible things, not to mention that the CIA director in 73 ordered all of the records to be destroyed. I mean, me and Bethany are nurses, so this is like, no matter what, you never destroy 
anything, any documentation. No. You, you, they're, they're very specific in most places. You draw a single line through your mistake, you initial it, and then you put a new entry for, you know, what actually happened or whatever reaction you're documenting. You never destroy anything. And so at that uh, Edgewood Experiments place, that Dr. Ketchum, they asked him specifically, are there any, is there any reason that you can think of to destroy records? And he said, said something like, well, maybe. Like, he, and he's a doctor. Like, this is insane. But the thing about Edgewood is they had all this information because he was a doctor and he kept his own records. So the CIA had their set of stuff, but he had his own set of stuff. Then they asked him later on, um, well, how did you get all that that documentation out of there? Because he, he had it all in his home. And he goes, uh, in boxes? <laughs> and he literally just carried it all out the front door. Like That was in his deposition, uh, like in front of the lawyers. Mm-hmm. Like his deposition, in boxes. That's how cocky these people right, are. Right, you know, They it's know like, that there's nothing going to happen to them. They're untouchable. Yep. Because... I mean, as we've talked about in all of our episodes up until this point, there is an agenda. There is a deep state. There is a cabal. There is, you know, this council of 300, these 13 bloodlines. They are doing this stuff on purpose. And every time they get caught, what do they do? They they investigate themselves. Mm-hmm. Put, they put the Rockefellers in charge. Mm-hmm. Come on. I mean, you can't investigate yourself. Everybody knows that that's a conflict of interest, mm-hmm. but that's what happened here. And and what did they even get to investigate? Nothing, Nothing. because all of the documents were gone. Yeah. So everything that they have is hearsay. And then, and then what's the punishment? Oh, just shut it down. Like, was there a bunch of people that went to jail? Was there a bunch of... There was no Nuremberg trial after any of this? No, the Nuremberg trial already happened, and right. they broke it. So that should be... this. They should be struck... This should be double time. You know, they... I almost said strung up. I don't believe that they should have been strung up. But I believe that they should have been held to account... Yeah, right. ...in the world court. Exactly. The world court needs to say, hey, listen, you need... You need to take them to the Hague and say, you broke this. This is what we had in place, and it doesn't seem to matter. Mm -hmm. And it still doesn't seem to matter. 2020. And in that Wormwood documentary, so that it's a really, it's like like a miniseries. And it's got this, this, he was a scientist. His name was Frank Olson, and he worked with the CIA. And in 1953, he goes to this CIA retreat thing where they basically just, you know, gather together to talk in secret about their, you know, weird things that they're doing. And party. And party. And so this this Olsen guy is there, and it sounds like maybe he was having some personal convictions about what they were doing because he knew that they were, they were giving it to unsuspecting Americans. And so they justified what they did to him by saying, we gave him this this LSD in his drink because we wanted to know what he would tell the enemy if he was captured. But what they really did is they wanted to know how he was feeling about this situation because he seemed like maybe he was starting to grow a conscience or something. So they take him to this retreat, they dose him with the LSD, and then for I think the weekend maybe, I mean, he obviously went, went nuts like you know anybody would do on LSD so they sent him home and to his family for the weekend and they went and watched a movie and and then he ended up going back in and they had him at a hotel 
in New York City, mm-hmm. and supposedly he jumped out of the window and committed suicide. That's that's what they told his family. They they basically went to his family and said, "Hey, he's dead. He jumped out of a window," and you know the the family's like, "Wait, what?" And this so, was in 1953, right. like right at the beginning so, of yep, this. This was this was really right at the beginning, and then his family. Uh, in 1974 or 1994 they actually got his body exhumed um, to do another autopsy because they wanted there was there was enough information that had come out there was actually a, a journalist in New York that I think wrote an article that said you know the CIA admits to drugging people and this the scientist jumped out of a window after they gave him LSD. And so the son is, you know, he's a little older now, and he's like, wait, how many scientists that work for the CIA could have jumped out of a window at a hotel in New York City in 1953? So, of course, he's like, makes the connection. This has got to be talking about my dad. And so then they dug into the story a lot more. And they, you know, did the exhumation in 94 and found out that he had injuries that were consistent with, you know, being beat up before like he didn't just jump out of a window head first Mm -hmm. basically the whole story that they had told him couldn't be true when you when you looked at it this way yeah but what did they get from uh, the president they got an official i'm sorry apology yeah and and what else seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars oh my gosh how nice isn't that nice? I mean, this poor family, and I mean, the mom afterwards, so the guy that was, I think, kind of the the father's handler, for lack of a better word. Sure. He ended up coming and, and you know, sort of befriended, I guess, in a way, the mom, and she kind of became an alcoholic, and I mean, it was just, they, they handled that family, and it was, it was this, so the son finally, you know, wakes up to it, and he's like... This is not right. And I mean, the poor guy, like, what do you do at that point? You've already signed non-disclosure agreements. You've already said everything, everything's over and done with like, but there is no moving on when there's no justice, you know? Well, that's how the government works. You know, the whole constitution is, is stating that we, the people are supposed to be in charge of ourselves. We're all supposed Mm -hmm. to be sovereign people free to be able to do whatever we want and the only thing that gets in the way of that is when you are going to hurt somebody else or cause problems with somebody else and that's it and the government comes in and says that they can basically do whatever they want they completely disregard the constitution and and the world courts for that matter and they just do whatever they want but then how do how do we the people fight back what is there that we can even do because when these people do lawsuits what do they get oh they get a official apology from the president of the united states it's like no he was being handled mm-hmm. he was being handled they were being told to take this money we apologize and go away and be quiet you know, it was hush money. Yep. And and the fact that they did it on national TV is almost, you know, MK Ultra in itself because it's showing the whole rest of the United States that the government's sorry that they right. that they that experimented they on people without their. But they're not helping the veterans. 
get VA benefits. They're not giving money to anybody else's family that's not throwing a fit or exhuming bodies or all these other things. And how many people didn't even know to to, to even raise a a court case or to to throw a fit in public, you know? I'm not going to get an official apology because I never even knew. Yeah. You know, and so that's the sickening part to me is the fact that people can be mind controlled and then the government can just say, you know what, it didn't really happen. We're sorry. Uh, or or it did happen, but we're really sorry. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, we want accountability. We want people to to be held to account for the things that they do because that's justice. And the problem with being on this side of heaven is we don't get a lot of that justice you know and we get frustrated and we get mad at god and we get mad at the world and we get but the reality is is it's not god's fault at all you know this is the 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 evil of the watchers and the demons and satan's agenda and it's the evil of humankind and what certain people that are being um, manipulated in their mind by these evil forces that they've allowed to come into their lives, they're they're giving sacrifices to their gods. If you look at what they're doing, they are sacrificing people to their God for their agenda and their God being Lucifer and their agenda being depopulation and all those things that we've talked about already. But yeah. so, so they ended up finding a memo dated January of 1952, and this was in regards to these projects. And it said, quote, can we get control of an individual to the point where he will do our bidding against his will and even against fundamental laws of nature, such as self-preservation? So they're essentially, I mean, you guys have seen the Bourne movies, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did they do to that guy? He was willing to go in and assassinate people. And he didn't really care if he got hurt. I mean, it, it, that's how that's how, what they they basically sent them in. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. And we'll get into this when we talk about mind control um, when it comes to um, satanic ritual abuse and yeah. stuff like that. You find a lot of disassociation that comes from the the mind control, the the torture, the all of the things that happen because their their brain actually splits into different identities. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know we've kind of thrown a lot of information at you, but imagine you're in a room, there's all these, you know, hospital beds, people filled in the hospital beds. They're hooked up to IVs. There's there's multiple different ways of doing this quote unquote mind control. There is the trauma base that mm-hmm. we talked about. There is the drug induced. Um, so, so a little bit about trauma base. They used a lot of electric shock in these experiments, torture them to the point of death, basically. And yeah. then as they're torturing them, they're inserting the information that they want this person, soldier, whoever it is, to then carry out for them mm-hmm. later at a later time. So there's a lot of repetition involved. There's a lot of, um, you know, if, if there's, if they have a song that they're inserting, which which that song may be their trigger then later on, 
it's continuously playing, continuously playing over and over and yeah, over. Yeah, and sounds and visuals. And right. I mean, they, they, they basically just inundate them with this overwhelming psychological stuff while they're torturing them or mm-hmm. while they're giving them the medication. And I mean, the stuff that they did at the beginning was just trying to get baselines. I they think. were just trying to see right. what they would do if they were given this right. medication. And that's not even so, the horrendous was, stuff. No. Yeah. And that was, yeah. I mean, as bad as it was, that was just watching what they, how their behavior would change, what they could do. So then later on in like the fifties and sixties, they get into this depatterning and they call it psychic driving where they, they essentially give these people paralytic drugs or they put them in a coma by giving them insulin, an insulin-induced coma. I'm type 1 diabetic, and I know what it feels like to have taken too much insulin and your blood sugar crashes, and it's terrifying. It's a horrible feeling. It takes a super long time. I mean, sometimes I'm almost like in bed for the rest of the day because it just takes your body a really long time to recover from a really low blood sugar. So you can't imagine what these people felt like. So they're putting them in an insulin coma or giving them paralytic drugs where your mind is working, but your body isn't, isn't working. And then they're playing these, you know, sometimes like Bethany said, songs or phrases or whatever it is. We're talking hundreds of thousands of times repeated over and over or like crying babies and like Mm -hmm. really heavy metal death metal at the same time Mm -hmm. and i mean it doesn't even matter what Mm -hmm. once you put somebody in that coma i mean you're basically in like sleep paralysis with all this music and everything happening with all these visuals and and plus the torture you know i mean not to get super graphic but they would they would sodomize these people they would they would do all kinds of torture to them to get them to break because they knew that there was a threshold because yeah. they figured it out yeah. by doing all of the other tests. They figured out that there was a place in a human psyche that will break and actually fracture into two because the person is so scared and so traumatized that they go to almost their happy place. You yeah, know, they go like, to a different place. Yeah. yeah, like in Happy Gilmore where he's the, you know, anyway, it's a different happy place than that. <laughs> but they go to a place of comfort where they can, you know, not even think about it anymore. They, All of this stuff is happening to them, torture, and they, they've completely made a whole nother life for themselves in their minds. And so they can compartmentalize those things. But when they hear that song... Or they hear that trigger or whatever or it they is. they smell that smell or whatever it is that they've basically, they've put it so deep in your mind that you can disassociate from it so you can still live a normal life. You can still go to school. You can still sit across from your family at the table. All of this stuff that you can still do. But if these certain things happen, this song, this phrase, this smell, this sound, whatever it is, then your your brain goes right back to that time in that personality and and this can they can do this to people i think they used to call it multiple personality disorder now they call it disassociative identity disorder which makes more sense because that you know they don't have multiple personalities they are one one core person but they disassociate in order purely so that their minds can handle the trauma that they're going through yeah god made us this way for a reason yeah, it's a beautiful thing in yeah, some ways it really is because how how do you survive some of this stuff right 
And there is, I mean, there's notable people that have volunteered to take part in the MK Ultra experiments. One of them being from around here, you guys will probably recognize Ken Kesey, who yeah. wrote the book One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And then there was a subsequent movie, which were they were just bizarro. I mean, super weird. But it was super it was weird. required reading when we were in high school. We yeah. had to read that book. And people here were like, yeah, Ken Kesey, he just lived, you know, half an hour up the road. And, and, and then you find out that he actually was working with the CIA. He volunteered for MKUltra. And then... He decided to, he befriended the lyricist for the Grateful Dead. So then he decided to have people over for these parties where it would basically, he called them acid tests, where they would give them acid or LSD and they would use, you know, musical performances or fluorescent lights or black lighting or all this stuff to see how it would affect people that were already on LSD. And they used specifically a lot of Grateful Dead music it sounds like but i think there was a whole i mean there was a lot more that was just the one that they were talking about in this article but so the cia was basically recruiting ken kesey to continue their mk ultra trials on unsuspecting right after it stopped in the 70s right oh yeah i mean in my estimation if anybody believes that they stopped doing this and we haven't even gone into Project Mockingbird yet. Exactly. But if anybody thinks that they stopped doing this, you're wrong. I've, I'm sorry that you know history shows us that human beings that are evil like this, they don't stop being evil mm-hmm. like this. They just find better ways it. to do it, and that's mm-hmm. what they've done. They've repackaged yeah. it, and that's you know going to be another episode for for uh project mockingbird which is the cia's project that they continued uh for mind control on the american public yeah a couple other notables would be ted kaczynski who was the you might know him as the unabomber and that james joseph or whitey bulger he was a boston mobster so they also agreed to be part of this mk ultra program and then, you know, subsequently they used different tacks to, to you know, as a mobster, as a, you know, the Unabomber to basically continue on with the experiments. It's like a, it's like a ripple effect, you know, when you take a stone and you drop it into water and all these ripples that go out from there. Well, that's how you get a, a small project funded by the CIA out into the world. Yep. Yep. And yep. when you, when you think how, how is it that... You know, there's so many lies out there. How is it that the the world is so screwed up? Well, this is how mm-hmm. they've they've worked a very long time on figuring out how to control the mind of a human being. Mm-hmm. It started all the way back with the Nazis. We recruited them to come back over here or to come over here and then do this very same thing that they were doing over there on our own citizens. And when they not only did it, they perfected it, and they got it to the point to where the the American population is so brainwashed that they don't even know that they're brainwashed. Right? They're just going around, and myself included. I mean, we're we're all in this together. Don't mm-hmm. think that I'm pointing fingers at anybody. Yeah. I'm saying that we have been so brainwashed that we we ha- we don't even know. Yep. But the hope that we like to leave you guys with every time is that there that Jesus 
is on the throne, mm-hmm. that God is king. And we've talked about this before. So it it's knowledge that helps us to break out of this mind control. Who is that lady that that trance documentary? So there's a documentary called Trance, T-R-A-N-C-E. And there's a woman named Kathy O'Brien who is a survivor of this MK Ultra stuff. And she has a quote that says, knowledge is our defense against mind control. Yeah. So if we can, if we can gather up, like be sponges and get as much knowledge and information as you can, because that's really, that's really what we can do to combat it is, is first and foremost, know that it's happening yep. and show people that it's happening. Cause that's, that's the hard part is you'll start to see, Oh yeah, this stuff is really super weird and starting to make sense. But then you know, your spouse or your friend or your parents or whoever you're talking to have no idea. And they're like, Oh wow, you are such a conspiracy theorist. Like, I mean, we've all gotten those looks. Fun fact. Conspiracy theorist, huh? Where, who, who made that, who made that name up? uh, Let's see. If I was to research where conspiracy theorists came from, who would I find that might have? I would direct you to the CIA website. I don't know. I mean, just, just throwing it out there. But you know, those trigger words that we've talked about a couple of times, they, conspiracy theorist is one of them. There's actually a shirt that I was going to get Rick. I probably should get it for him. His birthday's coming up. But it says Noah was a conspiracy theorist, and then it started to rain. Exactly so, right. <laughs> not all of the conspiracy theorist is a term that they use to, you know, make you feel dumb. To make, you know, if if you believe in some of this stuff, well, then you're crazy, you know. So, yeah, right after JFK was assassinated, everybody was talking about how it didn't make any it. sense. They were like, "What is going on here? Mm-hmm. This doesn't make any sense." That one bullet, you're kidding me. Yeah, I've shot guns my whole life. It doesn't make any sense. The one bullet theory, and and they were like, "Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist." That's and that when the term was is coined. when it was coined, and that has been the thing that they've used to shut people down, the American yep. public, to shut them up and. And just make them feel stupid so they don't want to say anything. Because the number one thing that Americans don't want to do is look dumb in front of their friends. Right. Which is, I don't I don't know why. I look dumb in front of my friends all the time. But there's some documentaries that we mentioned tonight um, that we are going to put in the show notes. Uh, Trance and Dr. Delirium and... Ed, and, and the Edgewood Experiments. Yeah, the Edgewood Experiments. And Wormwood. Wormwood, oh, Wormwood yeah. was a really... That that one particularly touched me because I think it was the son that, you know, he's just living in this... Uh, he was so disillusioned with America. I think he moved to, like, Sweden or something. But he, it, you know, he has to live with this all the time, not knowing what happened to your father, but knowing that he was he was tortured, you know, knowing that he, he didn't have a peaceful ending. That, that would be awful. Yeah. awful. But the hope is knowledge, right? We, yep. we know who the King is. We know mm-hmm. what Jesus has done. We also know that his word says in, uh, Isaiah five thirteen that therefore my people go into exile for lack of knowledge or another way that it could be read is or without their knowledge, which Mm. is very telling for what we're talking about right now. It's Mm -hmm. without our knowledge that we've been brainwashed, but it is to our detriment and it, and it does take us into exile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Similar verse in Hosea as well. Hosea four, six says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. That should show us how important it is to arm ourselves with, with knowledge i mean yes it's it's in there actually a lot of times there's and and you know he talks about later in proverbs where he says the simple inherit folly but the prudent are crowned with knowledge so he's you know 
if you're folly if you're not trying to get knowledge that that's the whole thing and i think as americans you know we'll get more into this when we go over probably project mockingbird which is another very interesting one um but they've they've done it on a mass scale and now we all have not just a television in our homes which bethany i think you have the dates of when televisions really became popular and it it you know it fits all this timeline of the CIA stuff. They started putting televisions in people's homes on purpose. Yeah, so they were started in the early 1900s. Nobody really got them in their homes until the 50s. Um, A very small population, 1% of homes had televisions. Then you jump to the 60s and 75% of homes had televisions go up one more to the 70s and 90 95% of homes wow. had them. So yeah, pretty pretty crazy. Well, and now if you think about it, we all have a little TV in our hand. Our cell phone is, you know, so they've gotten it to 100% essentially yeah. of, of people, especially of Americans. I mean, we live around I would say a very large homeless population and I don't remember the last time I saw one of them without a cell phone. They yeah. all have phones. It's crazy to me. Even even if they're homeless, they have nothing, but they somehow can pay for a phone or can get a phone. Well, for free. So, so no, we all have them out. we yeah. all have a TV in our hands all the time. Well, you guys know what time it is. I think we're wrapping this thing up, and uh, I think you guys have gotten enough of our voices tonight, especially since we all have colds. Man. We all sound a little. Lit. This is the Barry White edition we're of not That's underwater. So Fringy. <laughs> yeah. Don't adjust your uh, bass on your car. It's not. You should have you. heard Rick this it's morning me. when he first woke up. Woo! I've never heard such a deep voice. I'm like, what? I was scaring people at church. When I would say good morning, they would jump. Like a demon. He had a demon, I think. Yeah. But it's time for the unteachable moment. Where are you at with that? There you go. There we go. So we were talking about this this week. It came up in conversation. And the the thing was, is do Christians have to go to church? And I know a lot of people that, uh, especially in the younger generation, struggle with this because they're like, church sucks. Like, unless I'm going to a mega church with a coffee shop and, and good music. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of churches out there that are stuck in, you know, 1947, still doing hymns and, and sitting in pews and doing all those things. And you have this Gen Z or even Gen X or the millennials, like, they're like, this is dumb. What are you guys doing? Why are you reading from that book and singing like that? Like, it just doesn't make any sense that their worldview is so like, and so it's like, why do we have to go to church? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the verse that usually people say is uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which is not to forsake the uh, gathering of the believers where you, where you don't stop hanging out together. And I think the Bible is clear on the fact that we should um, go to church, mm-hmm. but it's also clear that that we don't have to. It's and, not a requirement. And so there's this thing that I think people need to understand that's more important is that going to church isn't salvational. Right. Like that's the number one thing that I want people to understand. Going to church is not salvational. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, I want you to accept my son, Jesus Christ, and then go to a building every Sunday for the rest of your life. 
or else you don't go to heaven. It doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. But obviously, this uh, verse in Hebrews is talking about how we want, we do want to come together as people of like-minded faith yeah. because it helps us to grow in our own in our own faith, to help each other, to, to, to love each other, as Jesus said. And, and if you look at Jesus's, um, his testimony to the world was that we love each other and we, we serve each and other. you be the church. You are the church. Yeah. yeah. Go uh, out and, and act like it, you know? I think that was a big, because he was, he was not overly happy with the religious leaders of the day. No, and for those of you that think that a church is a building, that's not true. The Bible actually is uh, calls it the ecclesia, which is the the gathering of the people. It's the gathering of the body of Christ. That is, um, you know, everybody that is a is a faithful believer in Jesus Christ is the church. It's not the building down the street, or you know, it's not a mosque, or it's not a Catholic cathedral. Like none of these places matter to God. What matters is your heart. And the heart of your neighbor and the heart of that person's neighbor and the heart of that person's neighbor. That's the kingdom of God is Mm -hmm. the believers stepping up and stepping out and saying, we believe the message of Jesus and we are going to put it into practice. And so do you have to go to church? No, you don't. But should you? Well, I think you should find a good church that works for you. There's a lot of them out there. And I think that you should plug yourself in and if it works and it feels good and you feel God there then stay if it doesn't go look for another one there's nobody saying that you can't church hop to figure out what's best for you but just find a a group of people that that are good you know that want to be good to people that want to talk nice to each other that want to have friendly competition and and you know go out and have barbecues together and and have their kids play together and all of those things like this is community let's yeah. do that and then well, and if you have, want we can call it church right sure. we have our our guy we're supposed to mirror Jesus right so i don't know if you guys have seen that tv show the chosen which is amazing but the last episode that we watched which i know we're ahead of bethany so i won't no spoiler alerts <laughs> but there was a scene where they go out into the water and Jesus goes out into the water with them and they're just splashing around and playing. And like, I mean, Jesus was just a man. He was just a man. And this is what we have to remember is we are to, we're called to be the church. Yeah. So, but I do also think that there with community, there is, you know, the benefit of have you know, iron sharpens iron and having other people around you to, you know, maybe on days that you're not feeling so strong, they can kind of prop you up. And, you know, there's a certain, a certain amount of accountability, I guess, when for me, I feel like when in going to church where, you know, it just makes me feel like I have other people around should I need anything. And there, I mean, there's been times that I need need something there's been times I don't even want to go to church and then I get there and Bethany's like super happy and you know that's that's just a good way sinner (gasps) sinner with your ripped jeans my nose piercing well guys thanks for sticking in with us this might be a little bit longer of of a episode but you know we're we're not really putting times on these things we're just having conversations and pushing record and then stopping it and then 
you know, putting it out to you guys. So we hope that you don't mind if they go a little bit long sometimes, or maybe they're a little bit shorter sometimes, but that's just who we are. We're just normal people. We're a podcast by the people for the people. That's what we, we care about. we want to give you the information. And again, like we've said every episode, we want to give you the information and we want you to go out and, and do your own research. Go out and, and find this stuff. Watch these documentaries. Look at the pain in these people's eyes when they have to talk about what's happened to them. Yep. Yeah, the first step in um, accepting mind control is acknowledging that it's happening to you and it has happened to you and that knowledge is power, as they say. Knowledge is power and Jesus says it in his word. Um, so you might want to just start obtaining as much knowledge as you can. So with that, I'm Rick. I'm Bethany. And I'm Kristen. Stay fringy, my friends. Woo! Bye.